You guys, welcome to episode 15 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and, more importantly, not-so-well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. I am your host, Troy McEady, and this week I have another very special guest with me today. Um, we're going to be talking about Jennifer Aniston, and I am uh, sitting here with Shira is Weiss. Am I yes. saying it correctly? Yes, Shira Weiss. I'm Shira Hirschman Weiss on Huffington Post. Um, so some people just know me as Shira Hirschman Weiss, but Shira Weiss... And I'm excited to be on. I'm excited to have you. Um, we were talking earlier about how, like, when you and I first connected, we would talk on the phone, and it was conversations that were supposed to last for, like, 10 or 15 minutes, and they ended up running for an hour. So now we're going to do a podcast because we've basically done seven podcasts already on just having phone conversations. Yes. We can wax philosophical about housewives and all sorts of things. Exactly. talking about this. I am too. We're going to be talking today about a Hollywood golden couple, one of the most iconic and important Hollywood couples in the history of Hollywood, I would say, Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt. And I am so excited to break this down for you. It's the, this is like, first of all, this is the classiest episode that we'll do because there's no Brigitte Nielsen or Flavor Flav involved. So like a weight's lifted off my shoulders. We can finally have like a, a toast of champagne and like not be ratchet messes. Right. It's classy until later on when Jennifer Madison is reading the tabloid magazines. But yes, we can start with when it was classy. Exactly. When Jen met Brad. Um, so one thing I want to say is that, interestingly, they were set up in a very traditional way by a matchmaker. Um, their reps actually played matchmaker and decided to introduce the two of them because, you know, they seemed to be seemed like they would be perfect together. Both very good-looking, um, you know, successful. Jennifer was on Friends then. Brad was in, you know, had a successful movie career and was about to start filming Troy. Um, and it worked out at that time. They, you know, hit it off right away. Yeah, I mean, their relationship from the very beginning was kind of like the ideal even from the minute they started dating, when it was you know announced that they were together, when they were first spotted together, which we'll get to, um, it was sort of the ideal relationship in Hollywood. There's no two. There's no two people that I can ever imagine from the past that have been so perfectly suited for each other. First of all, they kind of look alike. They were both in that sort of that same sort of A-list, untouchable. Like you're not even a human person anymore. Uh, sort of upper upper echelon of Hollywood and of society at that point. And like, I don't know. It just it was the perfect Hollywood pairing. They were beautiful, successful. Everybody loved both of them. Um, up to that point, like I mean, Brad had really he was knocking out like back to back to back to back to back giant big huge blockbuster movies that were really successful and jennifer was on one of the most iconic television shows in american history like it was it was a match made in heaven right and as i was saying earlier they got married at um marcy carcy from friends house that should have been an early warning when you get married at someone whose name is marcy carcy's house something <laughs> something is all right i mean and the other thing is, like, you you just said it. They were, like, the perfect Hollywood golden couple. It just, it seems that these are two Bettys, and we have yet to see a Veronica swoop in. I don't know. When when things look too good to be true, they probably are, just like with that contestant Brian on The Bachelor, uh, the Bachelorette. He just seems, you know, too handsome, too suave, and we're already mm -hmm. seeing that, you know, 
something is off. Um, and, you know, these are two people who are constantly traveling. Um, Jennifer had to do, you know, she would go back and forth between the friend set and seeing Brad on the movie set. So they looked perfect when they were together. The question is, how much time did they spend apart? And I really think that, you know, that would factor in later on. But for now, yeah. And I've talked, I mean, I've talked to you about how, you know, I can't even imagine, like, when I was going back and reading all this stuff about them, and especially at this sort of early stage of their of their relationship and the way people used to talk about them, I honestly, I can't even imagine, like, the pressure that they faced and the sort of pressure that they, that they were put under constantly by the people working for them to, like, make this work, because... The, the, there was so much writing on this couple being perfect, and they literally were nicknamed the golden, the golden couple. Like people saw them as perfect, and that became such a huge part of their images for both of them. You know what I mean? It was one of those situations where they became one person, pretty much, and they had to maintain this completely spick, spick and span, perfectly clean, beautiful, perfect body, perfect life perfect career, perfect friends thing that they had going on. Right. And they would hang out. I mean, Courtney Cox always talks, you know, I mean, back then she would talk lovingly about Brad Pitt because he hung out in her Courtney Cox uh, clique. And I'm sure like he was hanging out with Chelsea Handler at that time. I think recently Jennifer had a uh, falling out with Chelsea Handler. Someone told me this, um, but you know, I, he was, he was part of that whole clique. And then later on you would see, He's not accepted by them. Yeah. Like he sort of, yeah, it was sort of like a separation of the friends after everything happened. Yes. But at that point in time, he was definitely um, really embraced as like this great guy, um, the ideal match for Jennifer. And, you know, I think that there's just something so vanilla about it. Like, yeah. so it's so boring, honestly. Like I, I feel bad saying this, but later on I would become like team Angelina, just because I think she brings more flavor to that relationship. Um, well, I mean, not only because you and I have a really great connection and I love talking to you, but like one of the reasons that I wanted to record this episode with you is because we have the same ideas uh, <laughs> as far as uh, how this relationship was viewed and how, in my opinion, mm -hmm. Brad's life was how do I say this without offending people? His life got a lot better after this happened. You know what I mean? I think that everybody's lives, I don't think that they were actually meant to be together. And I think that a lot of people put, even now, I mean, people are so obsessed with this relationship. And I think people sort of look at it as this like perfect thing that happened. And it's like, I don't think that these two people would have stayed together either way. And I, I'm not condoning what he did to her. I think it's terrible. And the way she found out was horrible, but I mean, when you look at, like, if you believe in fate mm -hmm. and you look at what he was able to accomplish with his life and when he's old and on his deathbed, the things that he'll look back on, um, you know, those are all things that he did with Angelina. Like, I think that in some weird way they were meant to be together, if not, you know, it obviously wasn't forever, but for that period of time, they were meant to be together and sort of change our our society's views on adoption and and uh you know like world issues family. and yeah blended families um you know embracing your children's individuality like there was just a lot of important 
issues that they were able to kind of bring up in this country that being in a relationship that he was in before just that wasn't this is just it was just different but I worry about Brad because I feel like he's always looking for the next big thing. I mean, he couldn't make it look, he couldn't make it work with Angelina ultimately. And I think that, you know, it goes back to like the Juliet Lewis factor. Juliet mm-hmm. Lewis, he was with her. She was exciting. He was with Robin Givens. She was exciting. There was something different, something unconventional about the pairings. Um, because, you know, I mean, even when it comes down to like who you would think, who you who would you put Brad and Pitt together with, you know, he's like sort of like a, a Ken doll, you know, matching him up with with the Barbie. Um, and, you know, I like I, I I think that I would have loved to, like, know about him and Juliet Lewis. Like there was probably something dangerous that he was attracted to. She was a little bit of a risk taker. Jennifer mm-hmm. Aniston seems to be. Um, I don't know. I don't know if she's a wild side. She just seems to be very private and we're craving privacy, possibly insecure. And so the villain had not yet, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Angelina's a villain. I think she's done great things, but there was like a witch lurking in the corner, or, you know, during their whole, <laughs> during yeah. the whole Jen and, and, and Brad relationship, like, you know, some dark figure is hidden that's about to overtake Brad Pitt and, you know, temptation. And I, I hate to sound so cliche, but, but like, you know, it really is that whole Betty and Veronica thing. Uh, you know, we had, Brad Pitt and, and Jennifer Aniston seemed like two Bettys together. Right. You know, and the Veronica was just waiting around the corner. Well, I don't think there's any better time to, to, to throw out cliches than this relationship because Jennifer Aniston, Aniston is such a stereotypical sort of good girl, wholesome, perfect, blonde-haired, literally blonde-haired and blue-eyed Right. Queen. I don't and then know about literally. I don't know. I've seen some old pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I was actually just looking at old pictures of her, and I completely forgot that her hair, her natural hair color is almost like black. Yeah. Um, her natural but, uh, hair color is like it's funny. I've been compared to her, and then sometimes to to uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, and her uh, her old hair is like my old hair, frizzy and brown, and now it's highlighted blonde like mine is, and strains. Yeah, <laughs> you guys both sort of found the same sweet spot for your exact hair texture. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I think friends must have influenced some of my uh, styling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then you have like Angelina, on the other hand, who is such a stereotypical sort of dark, mysterious, almost like um, it's almost like you they're you would write both of them like on paper. It's like their personalities are so sort of cartoonish that they seem like characters. So, I mean, there's no better time to sort of use cliches because they are all sort of walking cliches. And then Brad Pitt is, has become the antithesis of like what it means to be like a Hollywood hunk. He is his own version of a cliche. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know that um, years ago before their relationship, this, before Brad met uh, Angelina, he was married to Jennifer Aniston and Angelina was on the lot of friends for some reason. I don't know. I'm not sure of the whole story, but I read this in Vanity Fair. And um, Angelina was there, and Jennifer was like, oh, I need to meet her. And she went over to her, and she goes, she knew that she'd be she'd be starring in Mr. and Mrs. Smith with her husband. And she was like, oh, good luck. Have Take good care of my husband. Like, have fun with him. And Oof. boy, would her words come back to eat her. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, so, like, she started off as, like, I mean, that in true Jennifer Aniston form, he started off as a fangirl, as a girl next door who was like, oh, Angelina, the big, 
you know, Hollywood actress. And, like, she would never feel that way towards her again later on. No. And, oh, my God, that's really funny. I love, I'm excited to get to, uh, once we get to the sort of back and forth, because they had some really good, um, I'm used to talking about, like, really trashy couples who will just literally say anything in the tabloids or in the press and have no sort of, like, qualms about it, whereas these are people who use... Sort of similar to what Brian Bailey and I talked about last week as far as Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher. These are people who use um, who use their uh, publicists to make very specific statements that mean very specific things that are all sort of shrouded in, in, in like mystery and all these different... Like, they don't just come out and say how they feel ever. So I love like their, her and Angelina's sort of back and forth petty tabloid rivalry and like their the statements that they had going back and forth were so perfectly worded and like you know what i mean yeah well i think there's no way to fight with an angelina jolie and angelina angelina just wants to stay silent for the most part and just Mm -hmm. look like the classy one which is really interesting because she she could be depicted as very villainous but yeah you know i have to say that i I feel really apologetic. I'm sorry, listeners. Do not hate me. But I kind of thought she was a better match for Brad Pitt because she was something different, like that opposite to track thing. And, you know, I wouldn't have worn a kitten T-shirt that said Team Angelina because I wouldn't have wanted to be beaten up. But <laughs> but as much as, you know, I like Jennifer Aniston, I just something is too looks too good to be true than it probably is. And the two of them just look too good to be true. No, you're totally right. And I mean, I guess since we're on, we're heavily on the topic of Jennifer, I kind of want to just kind of break down like where she was, what she was doing, what she was up to prior to her and Brad meeting each other. And then we can kind of get into Brad and tell this, this Hollywood tale. Um, So at this point in Jennifer's career, she was sort of on an upswing, you know what I mean? Friends was on its way to becoming like a cultural phenomenon. It was already a huge hit. I think by like the eighth season, people consider that to have been when it was at its peak sort of hysteria. And this was around season five that they were together. Um, right. And before that, you know, she was contemplating leaving Hollywood. Like she was having terrible luck with roles. She had done four TV shows that ended up not taking off. All of her movie roles were pretty abysmal. She was famously in The Leprechaun, which is my favorite role of hers of all time. That's so funny. And uh, actually, I read, which this is kind of just like old Jennifer Aniston, Friends folklore. So, But uh, I read that she had approached Warren Littlefield, who at the time was the uh, head of NBC Entertainment at a gas station, and asked her, like, basically, what should I do? Like, what what do you think that I should do? I have no money. I'm not getting any luck with TV. I'm not getting any luck with film. Like, what do I do? And he basically got her her uh, her audition for Friends. Oh. Um, so he basically changed her life. And she was supposed to read for Monica, but she immediately felt this sort of like visceral um, connection to Rachel, and the rest was sort of history. You know, it's funny. I remember speaking to my friend Stewie when I was in college, and him saying to me. I mean, see, this this proves how old I am compared to, like, some of your listeners. I was in college, and my friend says, you have to watch this show, Friends. So I said, who's in it? So he names, he's like, oh, you never heard of any of these people. Like, they were complete unknowns. Mm-hmm. Complete unknowns. So that completely makes sense that Jennifer was, like, you know, like a nobody. I mean, not a nobody, but not well-known. Approach Warren Littlefield. 
and got her audition. They cast people that like none of us were familiar with. I understand that Courtney Cox was in, you know, she had been in previous things, but um, no, Jennifer really was like, and she still carries that a little bit of that humility with her. I think, you know, she was, Mm, I agree. Yeah. She was an, an unknown. I mean, now she's got the paparazzi, you know, stationed outside wherever she goes, but you know, it's kind of funny when you're an older person, I'm going to be 43. So when you're someone my age and you're like, they weren't famous when I was little, you know, and like, now you see, whoa, like Jennifer Aniston has been on six zillion magazine covers. Um, so, so yeah, um, you know, I remember tuning in to friends and that's how, that's really how she became so popular. Like guys had so many guys had crushes on her. So probably by the time their reps wanted to introduce them. I'm sure Brad was one of those, you know, guys who had quite a glimpse of what she, you know, what she was doing and thought she was really cute. I mean, so many, so many guys that I speak to straight, straight men have crushes on, um, on Jennifer, maybe gay men too. I don't know, but have crushes on Jennifer Aniston. And, um, I think it's because she has that, you know, girl next door appeal. She wasn't always gorgeous. I think she's had like, you know, a few nose jobs. Like she's had some, you know, some some enhancements to her beauty. Yeah. She's always been cute, but she's relatable. You could see her at the mall. Yeah. She's relatable. She's natural in the way that and that men want women to be natural. They're, she's not wearing so much makeup that it confuses a man. She doesn't go places with a contour with her nose. Like, you know, she's not like in a full kim kardashian like contour from head to toe she's got a very simple style that doesn't she's not intimidating right but also is somebody who like women want to look like and men want to be with but like neither of them are afraid of her and that's like pretty i think that that's you know in my opinion boring but like it's something that i completely understand as to why people are so infatuated with her and like you know, I've talked a lot about how, like, I think people go a little bit overboard with it. I don't, I don't understand, like, the, uh, the, like, she's the most beautiful woman of all time thing, or, like, she's the greatest act, like, this whole thing. But I, I also do at the same time completely get it. So I know a guy whose wife gave him a pass, you know, a hall pass for Jennifer Aniston. Um, apparently she's just very... And it's and you'd think like you know my husband likes Charlize Theron, so I I wonder what is it about Jennifer Aniston that has so many more people you know putting her in that in the in that same you know place where my husband puts Charlize. Um, yeah. And, and it's interesting, um, and you know I'm sort of going off on a tangent with this, but it's interesting to see who people admire. Like I'm seeing a lot of people like Dorit from Housewives for the same reason that people like Jennifer Aniston. There's an old mm-hmm. picture there's an old picture of Dorit when she was like a little, you know, a nerdy, frizzy haired girl in school. And now she's like this stunning she has these stunning Instagram pictures. And I think people like, oh, here's someone who like is relatable and they did things to like Jennifer does yoga and, you know, very focused on, I mean, she must spend all day in her gym, quite honestly, you know. <laughs> um, people like people that were relatable and worked on themselves and, you know, um, and in so many ways and have, you know, become successful. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed, yeah. you know, like the, the game, my gay male friends love Dorit because they feel like, oh, like, she, 
you know, she, she just puts herself together so well. There's something about like putting it on, you know, and, and my straight male friends love Jennifer Aniston. It's just a story. Yeah. No, I get it. And like, um, to kind of like circle back to the whole like friends of it all. Mm. When I was going back and researching for this episode, I, I found this old Larry King interview with the cast. It was from 1997. So it was, uh, just right before they met each other the year prior. And, they were all being interviewed about just this kind of like piggybacking off what you said about them not being famous. And like, they were in that very sort of hard to describe sweet spot of fame at that point, especially during this season, like season five, season four ish of friends where they were unknowns and they were nobodies just so recently. And then they were a part of this thing that had hit the earth like a meteor and they were then at that sort of level of fame where everybody's sort of asking them what it feels like to be this famous. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when a person becomes like an it, an it girl or an it guy or like when a, a cast of people become like a thing, it becomes this thing where all the interviews that they do is just people mostly asking them what it feels like to be as famous as they are. And then right. kind of like talking about how they can't believe it. And, you know it was interesting to watch that because they were all, they all sort of rose to the same level of fame together. And they were all, I mean, for an ensemble cast that large to all be so famous was just like, there was no guy, there was no like person in that cast who was like a little bit less. I mean, they were all just like skyrocketed to like this meteoric level of recognition and it was just a really crazy time you guys i hate to cut you off but at this point i think you know the drill you got to be a patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode so go to patreon.com slash eb psychos at that point you will uh be asked to donate and then when you donate at this level you'll get this podcast you'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week you'll get liz bentley's feathers in my hair which is the teen mom podcast um, you'll get me and Molly's, uh, Brittany and Kevin chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to Molly and It'll take you straight to it. And, uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So like I said, patreon.com slash EB psychos and Molly and the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.